the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Yeah, if the Lord can use me, He can use just about anybody. Sometimes I'm afraid to look in the dictionary under the word bonehead to see what picture they might be running of me right now. But I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm getting better every day. I remember when I was a kid, I was a handful. I was a big handful back then. I remember one day, I was a young teenager, and I was over at my dad's house, and he was lived out in the country, and I, I sneaked off with his compound bow and a bunch of arrows, and I went out there to the backyard, just a wide open place, and I was just a flinging them straight up in the air <laughs> just so I could watch them come down. <laughs> now, when I said bonehead, uh, I should have also said don't do anything, don't, don't try this at home, anything that I may mention that I have done in my past <laughs> because those arrows would come down at about 300 feet per second and go <laughs> right there in the ground next to me. And I was just shooting them and having a good old time. And I don't know what it was, but it was fun to me. You know, when you're a kid, everything's fun. Until my little brother comes walking up. What you doing? And I said, you might want to hold right there for a minute. He goes, why? The arrow fell in between the two of us. He said, ah, he took off running, you know. And, And I just thought that was funny. And I said, what's wrong? You scared? He said, you got any more up there? I said, no, dummy, I'm just shooting them one at a time. He said, all right. So he come back over. He said, let me shoot one. Well, I was a bonehead, but I knew that was a safety hazard. I wouldn't have let him shoot any. <laughs> so I said, I said, no, but you can stay here while I shoot them. And so I flung another one straight up in the air. And I was telling him, you know, how that if you pay attention, you know, uh, you can usually catch it on re-entry and tell where it's going, you know, so you don't get stabbed. <laughs> and so we were shooting them and shooting them and shooting them. We was just having a good old time, and then pretty soon that field looked like a big pin cushion out there. And if I'd have thought about, you know, if I would have been as smart as I was about my uh, positioning of the, of the shot, as I was about uh, the odds of quitting while you're ahead, <laughs> but I didn't. And so we kept going, and then there was that, One arrow, there's always one arrow too many, isn't it? You always push it just a little too far, and there was that that one arrow that I'll always remember, and I shot it straight up in the air, and uh, I got to talking to Heath about something, forgot that it was coming back down, and then when I did, the sun had positioned itself, and I'd got in between the sun, and I couldn't see it. (laughs) And let's just say that was the arrow to beat all arrows. There was blood. They were screaming. But we'll talk about that later. We got to get into our message. Y'all ready? How many knows that in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the whole armor of God. Does anybody ever put that on? I've been a little lax lately, but every day when I used to pray, I used to always say, Lord, I take unto me the whole armor of God. And I take it on to y'all. I don't know if that's legal. (laughs) I don't know if God lets me, but I say, Lord, I take unto me and to my whole church the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, we stand therefore, having our loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the wicked one. Now, I'm not saying that I'm the wicked one in this story, all right? But I am saying that the devil's judgmental accusations are likened to fiery darts, to flaming arrows, it says in one translation. You know how, the, and he's saying, you need, to, you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to have some faith. Have faith in that armor that them, those fiery darts can't get to you. And what are those fiery darts? The, the Bible says in Revelations chapter 12, 
Let me see if I wrote it down. Yeah, Revelation 12, 10, that the devil's called the accuser of the brethren. And he's always whispering in your ear. He's accusing you of the things that you did wrong, trying to bring you down. He's always uh, throwing thoughts and suggestions at you to try to get you in trouble. And they're fiery darts. And so you need to know who you are in Christ. And you need to put that faith, that uh, shield of faith, and quench those fiery darts. Now, we're never more like him than when we're the ones shooting the fiery darts. When we're being judgmental and we're accusing the brethren. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. When born again, child of God, full of love, filled with the Holy Spirit, children of God, develop a critical spirit. Say a critical spirit. We're, we've been talking about what? The no strife life. And I guess you could just tag this message along with last week's message because this is talking a lot about in the church. I don't know, we're starting with the church, but I, I got a feeling we're going to get over into you, you know, your personal life and stuff about how to keep strife out. But this one, this one fits mostly in the church as well. And tonight's part two called Don't Embrace a Critical Spirit. Does anybody have any idea what a critical spirit is? We need to know because every time we open our mouth with a critical spirit, we're bringing in strife. Say strife. See, we want to know strife life. And when we allow a critical spirit into our life, which it can happen to any of us at any given time because we all live in the flesh. And the flesh can be awful critical of other people. We often wear what I call rose-colored glasses. We forgive ourselves for everything. We got an excuse for everything. why we did everything, but if somebody else does something... No, no. That critical spirit comes out. You should have known better. Isn't that right? We don't give anybody else any slack, but we cut ourselves a huge amount of slack. So last week we discussed about strife, and we said six things does the Lord hate, and the seventh thing is an abomination. We know the seventh thing was an abomination. And in James chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion, and every evil works. So we've already determined that strife is, is not something we want. How many likes drama? I know a few people that just seem to like drama. If there's no drama around, they will create some. They like to be in the midst of, of strife. And I don't. I hate strife. I do not like confrontation. You know, there is a healthy confrontation. I'm not saying that. Iron sharpens iron. There's the time to confront and everything. But I'm talking about just strife and drama just for the sake of stirring the pot. You know what I'm talking about. And a critical spirit, when you have a critical spirit, you only produce strife with that critical spirit. When you have a critical spirit and you're judging other people and you're pointing out their faults, you think you may be helping the situation, but you're not. Nobody's going to receive a critical spirit unless they are a super humble person. Which, uh, I don't know if I've got there yet. <laughs> Somebody come with the wrong attitude and start pointing out my faults? <laughs> Can you say strife? Now last week, I appealed to you, the Wednesday night Next Level crew, and I called you big brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Because you're the ones wanting to go to the next level. You're the, the more mature believers in the house in my estimation. And I feel like I can talk to you as the big brothers and sisters in Christ. And I ask you, I was a little graphic, I said, don't pee in a pool. Pee in a pool. <laughs> Thank you, Dorinda. Don't pee in the pool that you got to swim in. And causing strife in the church is doing just that. You think it's harmless, but it's not. It's contaminating the place where you... I forgot to do something real quick. Mr. Renda, she just completed and graduated drug court today after three months and ten 
or three years and ten months. She has been so faithful. Congratulations. Also, uh, Mitch's wife, Angela, was there. And you, you said don't set, tell, but they put it on Facebook, so I feel I can tell. <clears throat> what are you sitting way back there for anyway? See? Stirring up strife in the church. <laughs> It only takes a few critical spirits in the pool to undermine the culture and the healthy environment that we're longing to have here at the Passion Church. Just a few people going around, yang, yang, yanging in the background to just ruin the pool for all of us. And so I'm asking you as big brothers and sisters here in the church to be on the lookout. I know none of you would ever have a bad day and start running somebody down or anything. So when you see somebody else kind of trying to cause any kind of strife in the church, help me. Now, a critical spirit is not just found at the church. It can be found in your family. Now, you know and more than I do probably that certain family members you've got some issues with. <laughs> That's not the place to say hallelujah, brother. <laughs> Especially with your wife sitting there, you know. We're just going to assume it in you. Okay, okay. But you know how we can, like I talked about last week, we probably cut strangers more slack than we cut our family members. And so we can be very critical with our children. And I think back, man, I have been very critical with my children. I expected a certain amount out of And Angie's always telling me, she's saying, you're thinking like a 50-year-old, and they're only 15, you know? They haven't been through the life experiences you have, but you want them to think like you. You won't give them an opportunity to grow up. And there's, there's just ways that I have been too tough on my children throughout the years. And uh, critical of them in certain ways. I'm just telling on myself. I think we could all probably look back and see ways in our families that we have been super critical of one another. But the same principles that work in the church work in your family. In fact, they work in the family first. If you wouldn't be critical of one another in the family, you know, your, your spouse would be getting along with you a lot better. Remember we talked about this Sunday about speaking good words over your spouse, speaking uh, positive things over your children. Don't just point out they're faults. It's so easy for us as parents to see they do that all the time. And we have all these things built up in us. And we're always rehearsing all their negatives. And so therefore our children grow up thinking all these negative things about themselves. And we all rise to the level of what we think about ourselves. So a critical spirit can be even more detrimental in a family. It can be terrible at your job as well. Wherever you go and you take a critical spirit, guess what? There you are. And you're going to have to live in a place. Critical spirit's not even a place that I want to live in. I don't want me to have a critical spirit. Even if I'm, you say, well, it's just being mean to somebody else. But it, it really doesn't make me feel good either. It makes my flesh feel good when it flies out like that. You know, when I shot it up in the air. But then there's tension the whole time after you've let it go. Is he going to come back on you? And once you let it go, you can't get it back. It's like a bullet out of a gun. There was a movie one time that says, you've already said it, it's out there. You can't take it back. It's out there. God and everybody heard it. Say strife. Now how do you know if you have a, a critical spirit? How do you know if a critical spirit has snuck up on you? Well, are you being critical? <laughs> That's the first thing. You know what critical means? You're, you're being specific about everybody's stuff. You know, you're always no, noticing and pointing out other people's faults. And see, that's hard for somebody like me because I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I, and I just naturally notice when something is out of whack. 
and I'm always looking to fix something, so I'm always looking to see what needs fixing. And some of us have more problem in this area than others. Some of us are just lax, and we, we don't care about what we do, and we don't care what everybody else does. You know, we're easy to get along with. It depends on your personality, but some people are like, let's get her done. You ain't doing your part over here, and you could produce a lot more over here. And I noticed your car needs cleaning, and you ain't changed your oil, and you know, you're just pointing out things, and you see everything. And so I, I'm telling on myself again. You're always noticing, pointing out other people's faults. Sometimes you label other people. You've seen them do a few things, and you say, no good, never amount to nothing. I ain't letting them. I ain't letting him on that team, you know, on my team. And you and you think because people have made mistakes in their past, you don't let them live past that, you know. You don't give them mercy. You you have a hard time seeing good in people because you can't see past the negatives. Some people may just be, you know, ninety five percent excellent, but you're just focusing on that five percent that you've dealt with. And so you never give anybody the benefit of the doubt. Am I helping you? I mean, I know what everybody knows what a negative spirit is, but how many of you have noticed that my shirt's too short? <laughs> By the laughter. I estimate that 95% of you have noticed that my shirt's too short. I noticed it once I got to, to church today. That somebody must have put it in the dryer too long. <laughs> and some of you are such perfectionists that you ain't heard a word I said since you saw my short shirt was too short. That's all you can focus on is the negative. <laughs> Say strife. Bringing strife up in the house. And feel like you got to voice your opinion about everything. There's some couple folks I wish could have made these last two meetings. Got to think you got to tell everybody the way you see everything. And, and it can be awful intimidating being around you, but Proverbs 17, 28 says even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. Don't open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> learn, learn to keep some things to yourself. Is, is there no filter between somebody's brain and their tongue? There's got to be something we can install in some people. Now, there is such a thing as constructive criticism. That's, that's a good thing. You come to somebody with a pure heart, you're trying to help them. Man, you may not have noticed this, but I think you could do it better if you did this. And I was thinking about it. And I don't mean to say that you're not trying or nothing. You come with a, a loving heart willing to help somebody, do it in love. But a, a critical spirit seems to derive its joy, its happiness from tearing somebody else down and making yourself look big in the process. Now, you preached a good message, Pastor, but you should have used that scripture over there and there, and you should have said this. That was a bad example. But it was an example, you know. Just made it up on the fly. Turn to, turn to Galatians 5.14. If you're having fun, say so. Galatians 5.14 says the whole law can be summed up in this one command to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you know, the great command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, that's the great commandment. But he said the second one is equal. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And he's saying the whole law 
the Ten Commandments and all 600 other laws that they came up with after that can be summed up and just love your neighbor as yourself. If we just loved one another, there'd be no sin problem. And you know you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, find out what love is. Love takes no record of wrongs. Even if a man's shirt is too short. So the, the whole law can be summed up in this one command to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You see, we have worked too hard to get to where we're at as a church. To have backbiting and devouring one another. And destroy everything that God is trying to create here at the pasture. I'm not saying it's going on. I'm just saying if God's making me preach this message, it must be for a reason. It must be maybe we're going to face temptation in this area or something. So I'm just preparing us as the Lord gives me command. Amen? But we don't want to destroy. We want to move forward. We want to continue moving forward. And do you know the devil is, he's not going to just sit there and watch this church just grow and, and us be planting other churches and winning souls and showing people the real Jesus all over the world. He's not going to sit back and say, oh, they're doing good. The way he works is those fiery darts. And sometimes he just gets people to outright say it to your face. Sometimes he gets them to start rumors. Lies and innuendos and, and start criticizing and, and backbiting and devouring one another. Shannon K. McCoy wrote a great article entitled Overcoming a Critical Spirit in which she says people with critical spirits become judgmental. And you know the Bible says with what measure you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. So that's, that's self-defeating for you to judge in God's servants, isn't it? She said they, be, they become judgmental and they complain. See, they go hand in hand. In James 5, 9, it says, Do not complain. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. See, there is a judge, and you ain't it. But he's going to judge you with the same measure you're judging everybody else. He ain't wearing those rose-colored glasses. She said critical spirits often gossip and slander. You know what slander is? Talk, talk bad about folks, which usually ain't even true. But Proverbs 20, 19 says, He who goes around as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. And the funny thing to me is, every time I've ever met a person with a really critical spirit and thinking that they're all that in the body of Christ and everything, they're the first ones pointing out that how, you know, we're not supposed to associate with this person and that person, but it's saying they ain't supposed to associate with you if you're the ones slandering and gossiping. I think a healthy church environment gives people space to grow. What about you? When you got saved, did all your issues clear up right away? Some of us said, I ain't, buddy, I ain't got past the first two on my list. We're all in the boat here together, aren't we? St. Augustine said in the essentials, unity, in the non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Let me say that again. In the essentials, there must be unity. I mean, we got to come together that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? We got to come together that he's the way, the truth, and the life. We got to come together that he was resurrected. We got to come together that the Bible is the word of God. There's certain things that you have to 
to come together on to be a Christian. There's, there must be unity in the church on some things. You don't come up in here saying, I don't believe the Word of God, and I believe Jesus married Mary Magdalene, and, and, and that he didn't really die, he just swooned, but, he, but I still want him to be my Savior. No. Me and you can't unify over that, brother. But in the non-essentials, is it a post-rapture tribulation or is it a pre-rapture tribulation? Oh, little wiggle room there. Liberty. You can believe what you want about certain things in the Bible that we don't all have to, that's not essential for salvation, right? We should give each other a little space. Which one of us has got it all figured out? You're the one with the critical spirit, I bet you. But in all things, how many things? All things, whether, whether they believe that Jesus is Lord or not, we can still love them. In all things, charity, no matter what anybody believes, we still owe them the human dignity and respect and love. And Jesus loved everyone, didn't he? Now, did it, and in all of this, I just must stop right here. In all of this, did I at any time say that the Word of God should be compromised? That we should not preach the truth? We should hold back on hard scriptures and not say the truth about anything? Have I ever appeared to you like I skirt certain issues? Absolutely not. We will... Give me that candy bar back. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there's times I quit while I was ahead, but if God told me to read it, I would have. But no, we, do ne we never. See, we're genuine to the Word of God. The Word of God, it, it just is what it is. Now, whether you accept it, whether you believe it or whatever, I can't control you. I'm not here to control you. I'm here to preach the truth of God's Word. And I'm going to love you whether you believe it or not. Does that make sense? I mean, I was in a lot of churches. I, I grew up Catholic. I went to church here and there every, you know, until I truly got saved. And there was probably a bunch of people shaking their head. That boy ain't never going to get it. I told him the flat out gospel. I told him about Jesus and he just shook his head and went on. Didn't get it. You know, but thank goodness nobody got so upset with me that they run me off and, and got mad at me and made me feel foolish so that I never would come back to church and try again. Turn to Romans 14. How in the world... We may not get through tonight. Unless y'all want to stay late. Everybody with a critical spirit that wants to leave early, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just linked those two. Did you see how that worked? <laughs> That's the way the politicians do it. That right there is politician talk right there. <laughs> All right, Romans 14, 1. No, we, we don't compromise the Word of God. But what I'm saying is not everything that you believe, everybody else has to believe the exact same way, okay? Because it says here, accept other believers who are weak in the faith. So there's some that are weaker than you in the faith. There's some that don't understand everything. You, we're not all at the same level. So accept believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about the things that they think are right or wrong. Can you talk to them about it? Can you discuss it? Can you try to further their understanding of the Scriptures? Of course. But if it gets to a place of arguing, let it go. They're not ready yet. Does that make sense? For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Now see, you know what I would say to that person? Can I have your bacon? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. See, some, some people think that there's dietary restrictions in the Word of God or whatever, and so they want to eat a certain way. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. So they shouldn't be saying, well, I'm a vegetarian, you should be too. Cause it, right? For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? See, we're all servants to Jesus. Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive His approval. Now you see what it says there? With whose help? The Lord's help. Now God may include you and use you to help somebody. He may. By the Holy Spirit urge you to help somebody in an area. But he may not. And he may get somebody else to do it. Or he may do it by his word. But it's the Lord who is growing us up. It is the Lord who says this good work I started in you I will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say I've assigned you somebody. It's going to point out all your faults along the way till you get your act together. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced for whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, they do it to honor Him because they think it's a special day. Those who eat any kind of food, do it to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord, and they give thanks to the Lord. They're doing it because they, they feel that that's their contribution to please the Lord. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be both Lord of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? See, that's a strong word, condemn. It didn't say you, you can't disagree. It didn't say you can't make a point with another believer. But why do you condemn another believer? Because they don't see things exactly as you. Why do you look down on another believer? Looking down. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the Scripture says, Surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. If you're concerned about that person, try to live in such a way to help that person and not do anything that would cause their weaker conscience to stumble. Be concerned about their growth. Not condemning. And I, and I wonder how a critical spirit looks to an unsaved world. Now we've been up to this point pretty much talking about in our homes or in our churches with fellow believers. But how does a critical spirit look to the world? Is that enticing to them? Boy, I can't wait to go there so they can judge me. They already think that because too many Christians have critical spirits. How many think Tim Tebow handles himself pretty good as a Christian? I think he does. To be in the position that he's in, people running him down, the unbelievers can't stand him, want to make fun of him, but he doesn't rail back, doesn't return evil for evil. He doesn't, he's not critical of everybody. He's helpful, but he, he's strong in his message. He believes Jesus is the way, the only way. He preaches. He's not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many believes that the Westboro Baptist Church is representing the Lord well? Those are those ones that picket the, the soldiers' funerals and hold up the signs saying, God hates this and God hates that. Do you see a difference in the spirit behind what's going on? Which one do you think is most liable to win somebody to the Lord? Mahatma Gandhi says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now that cuts to the heart. I just think he didn't 
he didn't come across any Passion Church members. You know, he stopped too soon. He came across one bad bunch and threw us all in with them. If he'd have looked hard enough, he could have found some Christians that he would have liked. I guarantee you. But he's right in a way because there's too many Christians that have critical spirits. John 3.17 says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If God himself, the, the righteous judge, didn't come down here to condemn, why in the world would we think we have the authority to condemn anybody? Is there anybody who disagree with what I've said so far? When it comes to the world, I wrote this. We were never commissioned to demand that the secular culture reflect our biblical principles. In other words, we're not supposed to go around telling people how they should live. You need to do this. That's like taking a, a sow through the car wash. By the time they get to the other side, they're going right back in the mud. What, do, what are we going to dress them up on their way to hell? Really, that would be detrimental to, to make them feel like they have some kind of relationship with Jesus because of their righteous acts. No, we're not here to, to make them conform to God's ways. They really don't even understand the Scriptures. It says the Scriptures are foolishness to the unbeliever. But I went on to say, we were commissioned to reflect biblical principles in the middle of our secular culture. We should stand out and they should want what we have. And when we do that, we point them to the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. Our lives and our and our mouths should point them to Jesus. Show them the answer so that they can be saved and then they can have the Holy Spirit and they can overcome sin like He's helping us overcome sin. But it's not our job to tell everybody how they're supposed to live in this world. They're sinners. They sin. What did we expect them to do? It's in their nature. They need Jesus. They don't need us saying, you, need it. you ain't good as me. I was thinking about the woman caught in the act of adultery and how Jesus valued her and protected her. And this was before he even dealt with her about her sin. He didn't know how she would respond. She might have spit on him and run off. But he valued her life whether she came to repentance or not. And many Christians are the ones holding the stones. We can't be like that. We need to love people where they're at. That's good preaching, Pastor. Turn to Luke 18. Thank you for that compliment, whoever said that. I just don't know how we're going to get through this message when I'm already one minute over. Well, let me just paraphrase Luke 18. Jesus told this story to some had, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. When I look at that, I think, own righteousness? Which one of us has righteousness in our own self? So this is who he's talking to. People think that they're right. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed like this. He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. They're cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. He's pointing fingers. He just now started praying. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful, to, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. That's what Jesus said. I tell you this. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
See, the Pharisees loved the law. They loved the respect that they got because they appeared to keep the law. But Jesus said, you guys are, have forgotten the weightier matters, like justice, mercy, faith. A bunch of rules without any love is just religion. It's no different than any of the other false religions in the world. Buddhism. The one Jesus was exceptionally hard on were the religious leaders. The religious folks that were pushing people away from God's grace. That's the one he had problems with. That was, that's the one that made him mad. God primarily uses His Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. He uses His Word to teach people righteousness. It's not our job to be sin police for the lost or for the saved. Now did I say we're not supposed to stand up for righteousness and preach the Word of God? Did I say that we're not supposed to help a brother? No, I'm saying we're not supposed to arrest a brother. Throw him in condemnation jail. We're not supposed, we're, our job is not to keep tabs on everybody. And who's not doing this? Maybe if we would concentrate on ourselves a little more. We wouldn't have time to point out everybody else's flaws. See, as many people that God wants us to help we can be detrimental to those same people if we don't get the right spirit about what we're doing. If we're not led by the Holy Ghost. If we're taking it on ourselves to point out other people's faults and be critical. The different churches do things different, but I truly believe that's who God has called us to be where everyone matters and God's love is here to restore and we're a hospital and we give people space. You know, some churches... They appeal to just the super Christians, you know, the ones that's puffed up with all this knowledge and got PhDs before their names and everything. Well, they may do things different, but here we got people coming straight out of sin. Straight out of the world, never heard of Jesus. They come here and they need some mercy. And they need big brothers and sisters to go watch out for them and take care of them along the way. We don't need to be drowned in a bunch of a flood of rules. Got a new believer looks up and says, God's really working in my life. I ain't killed nobody in three weeks. And I'm like, good. Somebody else is like, yeah, but you're still smoking. Huh? Happens. <laughs> We preach the Word here. We confront unrepentant sin here, mostly with people that are members that have signed and said that we, they will adhere to the, to the uh, authority of the church. We have processes in place to do these things. We have five-fold ministry gifts within the body of Christ, leaders and such who will primarily handle these kind of things, people will receive loving help from each other. If you go to a brother or sister, and, and, I, and there was this, not long ago I preached a message about helping one another, right? So that everything doesn't have to be elevated to the pastor. Everything doesn't have to go through all these channels. If we'll first go to one another in love, people will receive correction if it's done in love from a brother or sister. Maybe when you were growing up, your brother would come to you, or your sister would come to you and say, you know, I know you're struggling in this area. Let me help you. You know, I went through that. And, and it seems like, you know, there's no point in going on. You might receive it from your brother. But if they came to you saying, you're in trouble, you're grounded for three weeks. They're like, who are you? People will best handle discipline and, and church discipline and things like that from the shepherd. That's why we have chain of authority and so forth, just like uh, Jesus does in everything. Am I, am I making sense? 
After all, as your pastor, it's I who will give an account. Everybody's like, thank the Lord. And as much as I have to say about it, we will never write people off. No matter how much we may disagree or how far they have slidden back or whatever, we just don't write people off. We value all people saved and lost in all conditions. We hate division. We hate strife. We build relationships and we encourage love. And Jesus loved the sinners and that's why they were drawn to Him. I mean, they loved Jesus. They followed Him everywhere. And the, the religious leaders were like, I don't know why they're following Him. And they were condemning Jesus for, for reaching out to Him. So how can we learn to draw people in love instead of hold them at arm's length because of the different spiritual place than they are from us? Well, they're not mature enough to talk to me, you know. How can, how can we draw people in? Or some of us may be holding our spouse off at arm's length. Until you get up and get a job, you're not touching me. Well, that's reasonable. That's a, I'm just, no, but, but we hold things against our spouses and keep them at arm's length. And when you got married, it was till death do you part. It was through good times and bad times. There needs to be some communication going on, not just the pushing away. See, communication is the answer to just about everything. A loving heart and, a, and some communication will solve just about everything. Every time almost. So how do we build up instead of tear down? How do we give grace instead of grief? Well, remember how patient God was with us. There's one thing we can do. Take them glasses off for a minute and say, yeah, I didn't have it all together when I was 15 either. <laughs> I'm expecting them to think like a 50-year-old. Remember, the, it was the goodness of God that led you to repentance. And that's what it says in Romans 2.4. It draws us to repentance. And if we know that we are acting in a pharisaical manner, if we know that we're, we have a critical spirit and we know that we're talking about people, even if it's to our spouse, we're pointing fingers, and it doesn't have to just be in the church, it could be at your job. If we know that we're pointing out other people's stuff all the time, we're seeing things in a negative way, we need to repent because it's just sin. And I'm not, I can't soften that. A critical spirit is sin. In fact, it's probably one of the smellier sins. Somebody that's been saved by grace walking around with their nose up in the air just don't even make sense. It's what was most repugnant to Jesus when he was here. And we, we all know that we can be subject to that spirit at times in our life. And, and in any given day, in any given moment, sometimes flesh will jump up. But I just want you as big brothers to try to, to know the difference. To know what spirit you're operating in and help some of these younger believers. And, and protect one another. And watch out for that critical spirit. Critical spirits can, words can feel good when you're letting go. But they're going to come down on somebody's head eventually. It can do irreparable harm to one of your brothers. <laughs> Or it might come back down on your head. And it will on judgment day. So there I was. Shot this arrow up in the sky. And the sun's blinding me and I can't see it. And I'm trying to look and Heath's over there talking about something else. And I look up and see it just in time. And I pushed Heath. And he goes tumbling across the grass there. He gets up his knees skint and he's bleeding and he's crying. I'm telling mama, wah, 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 he runs off. Told you it was a bloody story. It was terrible. You're going to go tell on me. 
It's hard to find a good brother these days. I mean, I kept him safe through all those shots. And he's going to go tell on me. I saved his life. I'm the, I pushed him out of the way. <laughs> what goes up must come down. What goes out can't get it back. You know, every time that I have ever responded in anger, sometimes people, I believe they're sent from the devil. You know, they, they take it upon themselves to, to give me grief, you know. and they, they call me and say something or whatever, and they push my buttons because I'm human just like everybody else. And I'll get that phone out and I'm going to respond back with a text or I'm going to call. There's been times I've called some people. Maybe somebody in here <laughs> say, oh, I remember when you called me. But I, I bet you also, if I ever did call you right after you pushed my buttons, you will recall that sometime later I called to apologize for calling you in the heat of the moment. Right? Nobody say nothing. Because I have made some mistakes. But you know what? I am learning to be slow to speak. Slow to anger. And when, I am in, when I'm enraged or I'm mad, don't make any phone calls. And don't make no communication. Walk away. That's a good tip for your marriages right there. Anger management. Control yourself and get a hold of yourself and let the love of God come back before you begin to speak again. And it would save you so many times. Because I'm telling you, going back and having to repent to somebody ain't no fun. Especially if they were the one that started it. But as a Christian, that's what you have to do when you, when you have done something to offend someone. So let's just do it the right the first time. Let's watch our mouths. Watch what we say. Be slow to speak. Say positive things. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, I think, is whatsoever things are lovely and a good report and any, be any virtue, any praise. You know, think on these things. Think the best about others. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Read chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, over and over and over until you begin to think the best about your brothers and sisters because we have a destiny that we're trying to get to here. We are not going to let the devil come in we're going to put that shield of faith up and we're going to quench them fiery darts. Amen? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.